we are joined now by John Machota of The Athletic. John, good afternoon. How are you? Doing well, guys. How are you? Doing terrific. We appreciate your time today. Let's uh, dive into some Cowboy news and notes. And I want to begin with Dak Prescott and uh, his apparent new deal with the, with the Jordan brand. And I've worked in this industry, so I know a little bit about it. What he has done... It, moving from Adidas to the Jordan brand may mean millions of dollars for Jordan. Uh, talk a little bit about that transition. Yeah, it's going to be huge. I mean, it's going to be huge for both sides. I mean, one of the things is you you sit there and you go to, like, I knew he is wearing Jordan cleats this entire OTAs and minicamp, and I probably should have asked him something yesterday about it because he has been a hardcore Adidas guy since he stepped foot you know, in Dallas. And so to see that it was, they were all black Jordans. And so they didn't really stand out, but I just knew that that's what he was wearing. I was kind of like, that's kind of interesting or whatever. And just taking from that, like how much, I mean, every game that the Cowboys play, at least early on in the season, people are going to be focused on his ankle and how he's doing and everything. Like that. I mean, you can't get a better shoe advertisement than that. How many times <laughs> are they going to be showing this guy's foot? But no, uh, yeah, I mean, Jordan brand, obviously it, it's a big deal. It, I mean, he obviously wouldn't be going there if they weren't paying him more money than Adidas is. It's, it's pretty clear. But, uh, you know, I mean, Des Bryant was, was a Jordan brand guy, and, and this is just uh, – it, it's obviously going to be, uh, you know, a lot more exposure uh, for Dak. And, I mean, hey, the way I look at it, Dak is probably as good of a, as a promoter of a product as you could have. He, he doesn't get in trouble off the field. Uh, you know, he, he, he's a good leader, and he, he just – you know, he comes off as he's a really good dude. I mean, he's just like, I mean, he's the type of guy that if you're a parent, you, you know, he's one of the guys you'd want your kid to, to grow up, you know, wanting to be like. So that he has like the whole package. And then on top of it all, he's the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. And so, uh, you know, it, it really is a home run for, for Jordan. Brand. I don't have the details on how much money he's got. I know it's a five-year deal, but uh, I don't know exactly how much he's going to make per year. But, I mean, he's certain to be. In, in, in a lot of ads and a lot of things like that, and it's just another one of those uh, uh, brands. I mean, he's he's in he's in with 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 all the biggest brands there are. I mean, uh, obviously, all the focus goes to what he's making on the field because of that contract that is, is well publicized. But you don't know exactly what he's making off the field. And then Forbes Forbes comes out with that list recently and has him as one of the top five highest paid athletes in the world uh, going off this past year. So yeah. Uh, it's good to be Dak Prescott. Yeah, and that's a great point. He is a great and brand ambassador, and he will he will do a terrific job for for those guys. Talk a little bit about his uh, his his OTA situation and and what's going on there. I mean, it sounds like just listening or listening and reading things that uh, that he's saying that he's ready to go, and he's really kind of tired of talking about it. Yeah, he is, and, and that's understandable. I mean, especially for a guy that's had to go through this every single day, trying to do a little bit more than you did the previous day, or you know, maybe more, more, re- more realistically speaking, trying to do a little bit more than you did the previous week. I mean, so he's at a point now where, yeah, he's he's crossing off and checking every box, and so he's in a great spot right now. The the, the thing is, though, is that he hasn't been tackled. He hasn't had a guy roll into his leg. He hasn't had to you know take a shot to it yet, and that's going to be the next step. And and you know they're probably not going to happen really too much in training camp because while he'll, you know, do full team drills where as in OTAs and minicamp, he was, he was doing seven on seven and then 11 on seven, but there wouldn't be a defensive line just to, to prevent the possibility of someone falling into his ankle. So that'll obviously change when we get out to training camp in California uh, at the end of July, but it'll be that preseason work and, and, and he probably won't get even a lot of that, but there'll be that preseason work. And then once he gets into games, it's like, 
the questions aren't going to completely stop until he, you know, finishes a complete game and, and he takes shots and he runs the ball and, and, and you know, gets back up and, and things like that. And, you know, he'll never, you know, say this publicly, but just as a person in your mind that's gone through an injury like that, you're going to want to see how you take a hit and things because you're not going to be doing that right now this time of year. So that's the next step. But outside of that, on everything he's done outside on the field, uh, you wouldn't think that he suffered any type of an injury. I mean, he looks like the same old Dak out there. Yeah, I, I was going to say, it's probably not a physical thing. It's probably a mental thing, that first contact. That's exactly right. That, that, that's absolutely it. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, it doesn't make sense. But it doesn't make a lot of sense for him to sit there and say that publicly because then it just keeps building up to it. And then, and then it just leads to questions and things like that. Like, hey, so, I mean – what are you thinking about taking that first hit and stuff like that? Like, he doesn't want to be talking about that, but there's just no question you would be thinking about that. I think about that with any guy that suffered any major injury, that, like, that's going to be the next threshold. And once you take that hit and you get up and you're fine and, you know, everything's good, that's just another box you can cross off in your head and know that, hey, I'm fully back, you know. And so uh, that just naturally will come once once we get closer to this season. But the Cowboys don't want him going through taking any hits on that ankle or anything. They want him to be as, as healthy as possible going into that first game of the season. They know what he can do when he's healthy. I mean, he certainly has the weapons around him to put up a huge year if he is healthy. So that's the biggest thing. And it's not going to be just that way for Dak. I mean, I just really get the sense of Mike McCarthy, especially coming off of last year. That's the entire team. I mean, it's, it was like that way for the most part under Jason Garrett, but I think even more so this year in training camp. It's going to be we want to get work done, but we're really trying to get to week one with a healthy Lyle Collins, healthy Tyron Smith, healthy Mari Cooper, and obviously, most importantly, a healthy Dak Prescott. Talking with John Machota, the athletic man. and uh, So now they have the Cowboys have eight of the 11 rookies signed. Is that about on track for normal? And when will the other three be uh, signed on board? Yeah, it's actually a little bit ahead. Of, if you look at Micah Parsons signing yesterday, uh, I don't think CeeDee Lamb last year signed until towards the end of July. And so uh, that might have had something to do with the pandemic and, and things were just kind of slow. But um, this, yeah, this is right on track because the guys that aren't signed yet are the three third round picks. And that's just one of the biggest reasons why is because the third round, and I'm not a, an absolute cap expert on this, but it, it just, you can see the trends over the years. The third round picks, it has the most wiggle room in their contract. Even though all the draft picks slot, I mean, they're slotted. You're going to make similar money to what the guy the year before made that was picking your spot, you know, and obviously positions factor in as well. But like the third round, I guess, has the most wiggle room on, on negotiations on things that you can, you know, put in the contract. But at the end of the day, they're going to be four year deals. Those guys are going to be signed. And, and, and it would be, it would be, it would be shocking if they didn't have all 11 signed, uh, you know, going into training camp. I don't think that they're, there, there are any concerns about that. They'll have those guys uh, under contract and ready to go uh, when they get out to California. And speaking of Micah Parsons, I know he's been turning heads out there, and he should. I mean, where, when he was drafted, and we knew how good he was coming out of Penn State, but how does his versatility from when he was playing the defensive line early on in his career help with the transition into the NFL? Yeah, it's going to be huge because he has that experience to lean on. It's not one of these things where – He's a guy that at Penn State had a growth spurt, and they're like, man, you're a big linebacker. You might be able to rush the passer a little bit. No, he started rushing the passer. I mean, he was a Rivals five-star edge rusher coming out of high school. I mean, he was one of the top you know, two or three edge rushers in the entire country coming out of high school. But uh, I got a chance to talk to his defensive coordinator at Penn State uh, about a week ago, and, and we talked about that. And it was, you know, why didn't you just keep him at edge rusher? And it was because they just he needed him at weak side linebacker. I mean, this isn't a kid that was redshirt, and he was playing right away. And it just so happened that in their defensive scheme, you know, they had 
some better edge rushers. They needed him at weak side linebacker, and that also allowed them to make him into more of a chess piece where he could you know, play off the ball while he would also could still rush the passer. And I think that's what's going to happen here. And a key piece in all this is Dan Quinn because Dan Quinn seems like he really wants to build on the positives from last year in terms of, you know, the being more multiple, not just the four down linemen all the time. And so I think you're going to see Micah Parsons moved all around. Now already throughout rookie mini camp, mini camp and OTAs, he's already gotten work at weak side, strong and middle linebacker. And so if they're, they're ready to play him at all of those plus, you know, moving him up on the line of scrimmage and, and bringing him on blitzes and things like that. It would not surprise me at the end of the year if he isn't second or third on the team in sacks because I don't see him coming off the field, and I just see them using him in a variety of ways. The only downside to this, and I pointed out in the story I wrote about Micah this week, is just that, you know, you look at last year's draft, and the first linebacker to go was also a hybrid-type linebacker, but it was more of a linebacker-slash-safety in Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson. And now that that season's over with, you hear the rumblings coming out of Arizona that, you know, he probably didn't hit the ground running like, you know, a lot were hoping because they put a lot on his plate. I mean, he played all three linebacker spots, both safety spots, and played nickel corner for them. And so there is a little bit of that balancing. Like, you don't want to put too much on his plate. So Dan Quinn says he's going to ease into it, see what see what Micah can handle, and let him go. But, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't have to know that he was their first pick. If you went out to any of these OTA or minicamp practices, you'd find 11 real quick. Hey, you mentioned chess piece, so I'm I'm gonna, I gotta go here. Is is Micah the first cowboy to beat Amari Cooper in chess? I don't I don't think so. And the only reason why I say it, just out of sheer volume, is that there. I mean, see, last year we didn't get to go in the locker room at all because of COVID. But the previous years, um, I mean, I would say okay. So out of a say three days in a week that we'd go in the locker room, at least two of them, Amari would be sitting at his locker playing chess against uh, Chidobi Awuzie. So they always sat right next to each other in the locker in the locker room, and they were always playing against each other. <laughs> and I know Cheeto definitely won one game. But Amari is, like, known throughout that locker room as being, like, the by far the best chess player and that you're probably not going to want to go after him. But, you know, as you can see on these videos that Mike is posting, he, he doesn't seem to be too afraid. Nope. So he seems very competitive in all aspects because there was a series on ESPN going into the draft following around a few of the top prospects and, and Micah is like a, a ridiculously good bowler and it's not because it came natural he just picked it up and got super competitive about it and, and turned into like a really good bowler because he just does it all the time so I think chess is, is moving into that same realm talking with John Machota of the uh, of the athletic you know John you mentioned Dan Quinn and it got me to thinking last year uh, obviously with the Cowboy defense and all of the issues that the Cowboys had on defense. And, you know, there was a lot of conversation about the personnel did not fit the package and there was a lot of confusion and terminology and all of those things. Well, with Dan Quinn, can you see a significant difference already? I can see in terms of the way things are being taught. It just And, 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 and we don't know that it's going to be better. I mean, you just think it's going to be because of the fact that, one, I don't know how it could be any worse. Two... There is actual OTAs and minicamp and, and, and a lot more on-the-field work that these guys just weren't getting last year with the new defensive coordinator. And then the, the third thing is just you just see him being more hands-on. I mean, he's out there in the drills all the time, involved. Uh, he's certainly not a CEO coach. I mean, he is in there uh, uh, very noticeably. And so you would think that the communication should be better. It just didn't seem like everybody was on the same page throughout all of last season. And so – you know, with him coming in there. And then the other, there's another one, too, that, that I think needs to be pointed out that we've, we've noticed at these OTAs in minicamp is that George Edwards 
uh, who, who came on as a defensive assistant. He didn't really have a certain position group last year, but he came over from the Vikings where he was a longtime D.C., and you can see him taking on more of a role with the linebackers. And, uh, and he just, I mean, his resume is, is, is very impressive. And you can just see that, you know, he's very hands-on as well, too. And, and that linebacker position, I mean, that's probably their most loaded on, on defense now that they drafted Micah Parsons and signed Keanu Neal and drafted Jabril Cox. And then you add in Leighton Vanderesh and Jalen Smith. So that is going to be a key position to watch because they certainly weren't impressive last year. The defensive line didn't do their job. And you just see George Edwards seems to be taking over the linebackers, and Dan Quinn is very hands-on trying to get things fixed along the defensive line. John, last thing I have for you, the NFL released their preseason schedule today. Was there anything surprising to you, or is it just you know business as usual? Yeah, nothing that really stood out there. I mean, you know, the, the whole thing with the preseason schedule with the Cowboys is just that they're one of the you know few teams that is probably going to hold training camp outside of the state. And so the way that the Cowboys schedule is usually structured is that Usually their last two uh, preseason games are going to be at home because usually their first two are somewhere out in California um, because that's where their training camp's at. But this year is obviously different because they're going to be in the Hall of Fame game. And so they have to structure everything around that. But, you know, if I had a guess right now when I saw that, that schedule, I would think that if, if they are going out to California, I would think that, you know, they'd stay out there until that second game against Arizona and then probably come home after that. So that's really the only thing that it, it impacts the team. But, um I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting because you also throw into the mix that other teams are only most teams are only doing three preseason games. They're the only ones doing four, and then this year they're also mixing in that they're going to have an open practice, uh, you know, with the Rams out in California. So uh, I think it's going to be an interesting few months. Certainly a lot more interesting than last year. Hey John, what are you working on for the uh, for the athletic? Yeah, for tomorrow morning, I'm going to have basically uh, just everything that I, I saw. My biggest takeaways from the two days of availability we had at minicamp. That's yesterday and the day before. They were supposed to have a third day today, um, but you know it was kind of one of those things where we kind of were getting the word that they might turn it into more of a team building, like uh, behind the scenes as opposed to on field work that wasn't going to be open to the media. And, and that's what happened today. Is that they did more of a behind the scenes thing. They didn't really work out on the field, so we didn't have access. So. Uh, yeah, everything that I got from the last two days, uh, everything you know we got from the players, everything I saw in the field. So, yeah, that'll be up tomorrow morning. John, appreciate it. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me yeah, on. Have a great day. And it's John Machota from The Athletic.